Thanks for joining us at White Oak for this week's podcast as we look at how God's servants applied that confidence in their walk with Him. Our prayer is that this will encourage and strengthen your walk. So here we go. Deuteronomy 4, 29 through 31 says, However, from there you will seek Adonai your God, and you will find him in your search after him with all your heart and being. In your distress, when all these things have come upon you in your latter days, you will return to Adonai your God. And listen to what he says. For Adonai your God is a merciful God. He will not fail you, destroy you, or forget the covenant with your ancestors, which he swore to them. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for the promise. We thank you for the salvation that is offered to us, Lord, that we couldn't or we, we didn't do anything to get it, but yet it is offered. You know, so when we believe in you and accept you, not only do we have eternal life, but we have a promise and we have guidance and direction and understanding during the here and, in the here and now, Lord. You know, so this morning as we look at wisdom that we've looked at before God, but just reveal your word to us, Lord. And show us that correct walk. Reveal to us your wisdom that is written in the word. You know, and let your spirit guide us, lead us, direct us, so we will have that substantial walk in you. So that we can be successful in your kingdom. We ask all these things in your son's name. Amen. Well, good morning. We would like to welcome everyone. We'd like to thank the ones for watching on our stream this morning. We thank you for worshiping with us, choosing us to worship with. And when Israel went into exile... They would find God when they would search for him with all their heart and soul. So Deuteronomy this morning, this, it's not new news. We knew that when Israel would go into exile, we knew why they went into exile. We, they knew what would happen. And we also knew in the Old Testament that God promises his people restoration. We've got the story of rebuilding of the second temple. We've got the story of rebuilding the walls. And even though these tasks were daunting, even though these tasks were difficult, there was always a servant. There was always an obedient servant. There was always someone that God had spoken to, or a group of people, depending, that he would lead and guide. You know, there was, there was accomplishment. You know, there was achievement. You know, through God. You know, and even when we read in the prophets, major and minor prophets, it was the word of the Lord came unto me, depending on the translation, or the Lord spoke to me. And they would literally write the Lord's word. So through Deuteronomy, one thing is clear, that the promise is clear. The promise would happen. Uh, the complete Jewish Bible translates this as a returning in the latter days. You will return to me. My people will return to me. You know, so this promise must come to pass because God himself has promised it. His reputation is on the line. He has given his word. You know, so when we begin to read the Bible, you know, in understanding where this goes in relation to the New Testament, you know, Christ provided the grace and redemption, sealing his promise to all. So when we begin to look from the Old to the New Testament, or we begin to read in the Old Testament with, you know, God's words to his people, you know, it's important to understand when we look at God's word in the Bible, what the Bible is, what the Bible means, that this is a promise from God. This is something that will come to pass because if we have faith in God, if we have faith in the Son, you know, if we believe, and we believe that we have eternal life, when we begin to read his scripture, we begin to find that all these things are true and all, you know, and, and that God, if nothing else, has made a promise to each and every one of us. And that when we begin to look at the promise to his people, 
you know, these things that are written. Well, these things weren't just written just to be written. You know, if once we leave the Old Testament and begin going into the New Testament, you know, we have actual stories of men inspired by God. And we're going to look at a little bit of that this morning, the way Paul writes in. And also, when Paul writes to Timothy right before he dies, you know, of letters of encouragement and correction and tells him what he needs to do. You know, these men, as well from New to Old Testament, you know, with God sending his son, our Redeemer, our salvation, you know, this is a promise that has been fulfilled. You know, so we can find confidence, we can find, you know, God, God's reputation is safe, I guess you could say. Because when we begin to read the Bible, and what Paul, what Paul wants us to know, as he said, and he, as he writes to the church at Ephesus, he said, you know what, God has chosen this moment in history. You need to understand why this moment is so important. You know, it's, it, I'm just not writing to you to encourage you. I'm just not writing you to, to tell you, you know, that there is hope. He's like, no, you need to understand and you need to get it because God has chosen this very point in history to reveal his son. And he was like, he wants, he wants the church to understand what kind of honor that is. He was like, man, you need to understand what kind of, you know, what kind of opportunity this is for each and every one of us this moment right here and now. You know, and for us today, when we begin to read his word, whether it be the Old Testament, the New Testament, you know, we apply it into our lives as we're going, you know, because this topic is something that comes up very, very regular through the Bible. You know, well, Paul begins this section of Ephesians, the fourth chapter, with one word, wisdom. We've been through three series, and all three series, especially James, is mentioned more, but that one word comes up. You know, and for, for some specific reason, if you, if you pick three series and that word comes up, it must be pretty important. You know, but what we're going to understand this morning and what Paul wants us to understand is not that God has chosen you to reveal his son in this particular moment. Because you know what? Even still today, you know, we have a special opportunity just like they did thousands of years ago. You know, we have a special opportunity today, but understanding with the wisdom of God. It's not just about being guided correctly. You know, there needs to be an application. Because if we look at the prophecy of the Old Testament come true, if we look at Jesus' words, Jesus tells us one thing. You will keep my commandments and they will be reflected in your lifestyle. It's a general translation. You know, you will serve my Father. And in the serving, it will also be an outward expression so others can see leading to the two greatest commandments. You know, so we're, we are in the fourth chapter of Ephesians this morning, and Paul is speaking to the reality of believers. And once again, he's using that word that just keeps coming up over and over. And whether it be Peter, whether it be Paul, whether it be James, you know, in the New Testament, we see wisdom, but wisdom is not just defined with intelligence. You know, he wants us to be familiar with the wisdom of God. The wisdom given by the Father. You know, and the thing is, us, as God creations, creation, as human beings, you know, we ourselves have a sense of longing. You know, we want to understand more about God, regardless of sometimes whether we, we 
you know, as believers, we have faith and we believe that there is a God. But, you know, if we're not a believer, we can look around and we, we, there, there's a need for, like, exploration. There's a need for inspiration. There's a need, you know, to explain why. Why these things are. Why they have come to be. What do they mean, you know? And me and Noah, yesterday we were just flipping, flipping through the channels well, and we caught the launching of SpaceX. I think we flipped it on and there was like three or four minutes to, you know, to take off and we caught it perfect. You know, and, and the commentator, he just kept saying one thing over and over and over and over and over again. You know, he was like, man, this is a pivotal point in history. You need to get this. You know, this is we're returning to space. We're returning to space and everything is brand new. The rocket is brand new. The inside of the rocket is brand new. You know, we don't waste parts of the spacecraft anymore. You know, it, it comes back down and it lands on a helipad, so it makes exploration next time be even cheaper, saving money that, like, you could even define space travel as being cheap. But, you know, I guess if there was any chance of saving money that they've, you know, they, they've achieved it, let's say, maybe. But, you know, also we have the opportunity now that when that spacecraft takes off, we can see it go all the way completely into space. I mean, you know, it's, it's amazing. You know, it's not like when... It's not like years and years and years ago where you saw this one camera shot and this, these two dudes are sitting in front of, you know, this giant spacecraft and there's like nine million buttons up there to where you've got to match, mash it. You know, and it's like you don't go to school to learn how to walk in space. You learn, you go, to, you, you go to school to learn which one of those nine million buttons probably to push at the right time, you know, because when you look at everything, there's tons of stuff. We know... This time, it's like these guys are sitting in this, this capsule, and there are buttons, but it's like you've got, like, three giant computer screens up there, and these guys, they just take off. You know, you watch the rocket go up. We watch it go into space. We watch it go into orbit, and you see the guys inside the spacecraft the whole time. You know, and from my perspective, you know, realizing where we've come from and where we've gone, you know, this probably is a big deal. You know, the guy that was probably saying this was probably in his in his, his, his early 50s, you know, and he probably understood it better than I did, you know. But he kept saying, he's like, man, you've got to understand what this means for us. You know, you've got to understand what we're doing. You know, but when we think about the application of knowledge, when we think about the application of understanding, you know, for a man to start a company, for a man to build something like that, you know, and I'm, I'm not praising human beings because, yes, you know what? Some of us are successful because we take the knowledge that we are given and we act upon it. You know, when we see amazing things like that. You know, but, but see, something has to be created. That mind, that intelligence, it's got to come from somewhere. You know, when we look around at creation, you know, we, we long to explain things. We want to explore things. We want to look at where things come from. You know, we want an explanation. You know, and what, whether we look in Deuteronomy this morning or whether we look at what Paul is trying to tell us through the wisdom of God, you know, our actions should be a display of our creator if we truly believe that he is who created us. You know, when we look around and try to explain things or when we look around or we try to rationalize these things, look, let's... We spend lots of money to take a rocket and bring it into outer space. Yeah, is it cool? Yeah, it's, it's extremely cool. And, you know, and that, that guy has, he, he's a genius to, 
to develop that technology, let's be honest. You know, nothing's wasted. We use it all over again. You know, it is extremely cool. But, you know, this morning when we look at a progression in history, you know, I think it's, I always said when I look at my grandfather, you know, when he was born, he was born in the area, in the era when it was like almost the beginning of the automobiles. You know, and I kind of looked at his life, and I kind of looked like in his life, let's just say a general span, 90, 90 to 100 years, let's just say, what all was accomplished. That, you know, that, that we can look in history books or that we can look around and say, you know, I can relate to that. You know, so we, we, we take the first automobile. Henry Ford builds the first automobile that you could actually purchase. You know, so the end of my grandfather's life, they start producing cars that would actually drive yourself. Or he had a cell phone, a telephone that you could carry with you and put in your pocket that was about that big. Now, that might not mean much, but, you know, when my mom went to college, they got their first phone in their home. They didn't have air conditioner. That You know, you remember listening to the radio because you didn't have a television. You know, my uncle, he was a high roller because he had a TV and air conditioner when it first came out. You know, when we look at a progression, it seems crazy, right? You know, because now we turn on TV and not only do we see a video shot of a rocket going into space, no, we watch the rocket go completely up. We see it go into orbit. And when the guy tells us, we're like, you know what? In 19 hours, they'll dock at the space station. You know, we see the two astronauts when they arrive in space, they give the thumbs up. They drop the second rocket so it can return, you know, and they fall into orbit. You know, when we see a progression, you know, when we look around ourselves as human beings, it's like, you know, we, if, if we have an explanation, even if we have one, we want to understand more. We want to, we want to know more. And what, and what Paul wants us to realize this morning is how God is revealed. You know, Paul is saying that as Christians, as believers, God is taking this moment, as he's writing the church at Ephesus, to reveal his son to us. Well, when his son is revealed, when we receive our salvation, there's an understanding that comes with it. You know, it's, it's not an understanding that, well, I just have salvation, you know, and this is great. I'm just going to make it to heaven. You know, and in layman's term, that kind of sounds like, well, yeah, that's, that's you, you know, you have eternal life. Yeah, but if we understand what it truly means to be a disciple, if we understand what it truly means to follow Jesus, you know, forsaking the things of the world. You know, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of instances that, and there's a lot of words that are put here. And if we make it to the end, which we probably won't this morning, you know, if we go to look at Deuteronomy, I want us to pay attention to two words. Jesus is going to say, nevertheless. Deuteronomy says, however. So when we begin to look at a progression in history, when we, God tells his people that you will go into captivity. Let's be honest. If we read, if we read the word, the, how he, how he talked to Abraham, his servant, servant, he told him that his people would go into bondage and be brought out of bondage. This is not new. You know, this was wisdom given into the one that God first went into, to a covenant with, with, a, you know, about his people, their father. You know, and when we pay attention, even though you go in for, for however, or as Jesus says, nevertheless, in spite of, you know, so... As you will go into bondage, but yet, however, after that is done, if you learn, if you seek me, you shall find me. You know, I will not destroy you. 
I will go before you. I will be your God. So, with our realization, we find one thing to be, to be sure. If we want wisdom, if we want understanding, if we want a relationship, it has to be an intention, it has to be a motive, it has to be a feeling, and it has to be affection from the heart. You know, there, it, there only not has to be a change, there has to be a certain kind of love. Because if we understand, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son, there was an action on God's part. Paul says in Romans that he foreknew all these things, you know, before the beginning of the time. So if, if we understand the foreknowledge of God and how he revealed his wrath to us for sin with grace and redemption instead of anger, you know, if we understand that progression, then there should be an appreciation on our part. And in that appreciation, there's a love. And with that love, if we truly love God and we long for his wisdom, if we long for his understanding, there should be an application in our life to where we show this to other people. You know, because there's nothing we could ever do for God. We get that, right? He gave us the greatest thing he could ever get us, give us. You know, but if we really want to show God that we appreciate what we've been given, then all we can really do is serve him and serve him correctly. And you know what? At the end of the day, that's all that's required. You know, even though we might mess up, Travis did a good job on that this morning and touched on it about our imperfections. You know, even though, you know, that's the greatest thing about Christianity. When we look through the Bible, you've got to understand so many times we get wrapped up on the wisdom and the knowledge and the understanding of God. And it's like it precedes us because there was prophets that God would carry out into a valley of dry bones and he would prophesy to them and these bones would come to life. Well, if we, first of all, you need to understand what kind of bones God was bringing back to life and what that symbolized. You know, we need to understand that he chose a fisherman. We need to understand that he chose a tax collector. He chose a watchmaker. He chose a theologian. And if we read Acts, Luke is very specific in Acts to show, to show us one thing. Because Acts is divided kind of in two sections with two guys, Peter and Paul, Peter and Paul. But he wants us to understand that what Peter did, Paul could do it. What an ex-fisherman could do, a theologian could do. Why? Because it's not by our power. These men achieved the same thing. Paul says that we are all sinners. Paul says, actually, I was the chiefest of sinners. You know, but it's when we gain that understanding, when we understand that we're going to have imperfections, when we don't let them control us, when we're led and serve God the very best way we can to show him that we appreciate what we're given, we're all going to come from different backgrounds. And that's why he's writing to unity under the, into the body, and he wants them to understand so very specific where this message comes from. Paul wants us to understand that this is not my opinion. You know, this, this is coming from God. This is revelation from God. This is God-guided. You need to pay attention to it. And wisdom keeps coming up so many times in the Bible, and this understanding of wisdom is because if we don't grasp that, because there's a lot of people that, serve, that say they have salvation and they love God, and guess what? The New Testament is full if we look at Peter, if we look at the writing of Paul, if we look at James, there's a reference to false prophets. There's a reference to false teachings. Why? Because we like to explain things. Well, 
Peter says about Paul, some people, many people don't understand his writings, but what do they do? They take and twist them. You know, see, there, see there's, a, there's a process that we must go through that we submit to the correction. If we can't do that, it's a lot easier to deny certain things. But if we, if we look at what Travis said this morning about us being imperfect, you know, and, and, and we deal with that. You know, we get hung up on so many times that we'd never be good enough for God. But, you know, if we, if we look in our own lives, if we look at, at the hundreds of examples of people in the Bible of when God chose them. God chose each and every one of us in our imperfections. It's because of our imperfections that we need it, God. Did, you know, God knows that we're not always going to succeed. But the thing is, when we come to that knowledge, when we come to that wisdom, you know, that's when our, the application of his wisdom in our life is really going to start to make sense. That's when it's really going to start to bear fruit, as Jesus says. You know, and it's that understanding that we are chosen in a state when we really need it, God. And you can say, well, yeah, you know, I found Jesus. I've received salvation. But see, the thing is, Jesus, Jesus tells us plainly that he can tell which one is truly his, which one is truly his follower. He says it's the ones that apply these principles in their, in, in their life. You know, we can say we appreciate a lot of things. But, you know, when the wisdom becomes an action, when the wisdom becomes a correct application, one thing is evidently true in our life. We're led by more than just ourselves. We're led by more than just our general knowledge, a general, you know, opinion. We have someone way smarter than us. And when we succeed in our life, when, when there is that moment of surrender, when there is that moment of correction, you know, we gain that understanding we see that we serve a father who has, who has always had a plan for our life, who wants us to succeed and loves us because in our life with our achievements for him, doing all these things for him, he has been there the whole time with this awesome plan for our life. You know, and so in Paul in the fourth chapter of Ephesians this morning, he's going to bring up, he's going to bring up Revelation. Let's say, because he says, for the wisdom given to me by God. Well, if we understand how the Bible has been written, you know, God speaking to men to write his words. Well, there's two kinds of revelation that come to mind. If, uh, let's say natural revelation. You know, where we can look in, look around creation and see all that God has created and realize that there is someone way smarter than us, way more powerful than us that had a plan for you know, for, for all of this. Yes, we have science. Yes, we have all these things. But we understand that, every, that everything has a process. And in that process, it was created perfectly. You know, the issue is, is when we begin to mess with those processes, and that kind of throws a wrench in, in to, to the cog. When we begin to mess with certain things. But, you know, through natural revelation, we can see that we have a creator. Through natural revelation, it's easy for us as believers, you know, to explain God. Well, yeah, I know why there's a sunrise and I know there's a sunset. I know why there's a process of where we plant, it rains, it comes up, right? We've got all these Bible verses to prove this thing. And even in Psalms, if we go to Psalms this morning, the 19th chapter, you know, David is gonna, David's going to reference that. 
You know, because, you know, it says his testament is written in the stars. Space itself speaks his history. You know, and as believers, we are aware of our creator, you know, of what he created. You know, and that not only he was there, but the Trinity was also there in the very beginning. Now, when we leave natural revelation, we go to special revelation. You know, which we look at the Bible was, these words were given to God's servants from God specifically to himself. You know, he inspired men to write his word, you know, to guide and correct, leading us to a successful Christian life. You know, to tell of the promise of salvation. You know, so in his written word, not only do we have guidance, but we also have the promise. In the Old Testament, we know where the Old Testament is going. It's going to the New Testament, right? Jesus is going to show up. So these inspired men, it's easy to say, made an application out of their knowledge. So they acted upon wisdom. More importantly, not all the time did they act correctly. There was, there's some mistakes in the Bible. You know, I think one of the greatest stories in the Bible is, let's be honest, this is Peter. There's been a ton of movies made about Peter. There's a, bunch of, there's a bunch of messages made by Peter. And when you look at Peter's life, it's like, why does Peter always keep coming up? Well, let's be honest, because you know what? We all can relate to Peter. You know, it's the truth. You know, we can re- relate to going to church. We can relate to God working in our life. We can relate to the love of a father. You know what? Sometimes we just don't get it. You know, sometimes we just want to ask a question. And to be honest with you, if we understand or if we read the New Testament, did it really matter if Peter asked it or not? Because Peter would ask him and Jesus would answer him. But even when the disciples thought it, we read in there where it says, and Jesus knew that his disciples did not understand. Or Jesus knew that his disciples wanted to know more. Especially when we look at the parables and when, what, what they're asking Jesus. You know, I don't get it, Lord. We know when we look at Peter's life when sometimes he was outspoken, when we look at Peter's life when he wanted to do really great things for God because you know what, he got it. When we look at Peter's life when he met Jesus and Jesus tells him, he, he gives him a nickname, Petros. He gives him the name Rock. And he says, you know what, I'm going to build my church on that. And back then, what was that? You know, Peter's just like, oh, that's cool. I'm going to follow you. But, you know, you got to understand, it's like, look at what, what, what God did with Peter's life, a fisherman, when he was walking by the shores of Galilee, and he sees a boat, and he says, can I use your boat? You know, and we all know the story. And I don't want to quarrel with you, Master, so nevertheless, what you say, I'm just going to do it. But when Jesus meets Peter, he realizes one thing. After he sees that miracle, he says, Lord, remove yourself from me because I am an unclean man. But you know what? In that moment right there, we see a great expression of how each and every one of us come to God. You know, because if we learn what Paul is telling us, you know, that we're all, that we're, that we're all guilty of sin, and we understand what, what Peter realized in that moment right there. But you know what? The awesome thing about that verse is, and I really believe this is why Peter is used so much to teach about all sorts of different things in the Bible and why his life is so awesome is that Jesus just doesn't stop there. He says, Lord, remove yourself from me because I am unclean. He realized who Jesus was. And Jesus, it, Jesus it, he doesn't stop. You know, it was, like, it was like a moment that was destined for them to meet. 
And in that moment, it's like Jesus wasn't even concerned with that. The only thing that Jesus was concerned was is that there was going to be recognition of who Christ was to him in that moment. And he already knew that he already knew there was going to be an application, right? I'm going to build my church upon that. And understanding and realizing that, Jesus says, oh, don't worry about it. He says, why? He says, because he says, you're going to fish for men. So in that moment, he tells him, you know, forget the ladder. You know, forget the ladder. You know, this, this moment right, right here, right now in your life, what you have realized is going to change your life. You know, forget the past, leave the past, which there's, we know that there's, there's, Tons of verses for that. You know, you're a new man. Disregard the things of the world, the false teaching. You know, we're, we're back in the New Testament again. When these, and that's why all this stuff keeps coming up. Because it's easy just to read and say, oh, we need the wisdom of God in our life. You know, we need to understand these things. We need to apply these things to our life. It's easy to realize that. It's easy to, to try to understand these things. But when that application in life starts to take hold... When we know that, when we know that, that we have been given something that's so precious, that's so important, and we want to really do a, a really good job of displaying, you know, the, the love of the Father. What happens when we get misguided, when we lose our direction from time to time? You know, because we know that we came to Jesus in the state in which we needed Jesus, right? Just like Peter. You know, so, so what happens in that moment when we understand love, but we failed love, let's say? You know, because it's, it's, easy to, it's, it's easy to say, well, I love God because I serve God. You know, but if you really love God, then you really want to serve God. You know, and we understand the love of the Father, and we understand that we've let the Father down, let's say. You know, and we have conversations with our Father. You know, that relationship is a reality. You know, through that application, we are trying our very best to serve the Father. And when we look in Peter's life, we see that is inevitably true. Because in his last meal, Jesus would, would, would share with his disciples, what does Peter say? And what does Jesus tell him? He says, Father, I will, he said, Lord, I will go with you even until the end. And Jesus says, well, that's, that's not true. Because before this night is over, you'll deny me three times. You know. And see, there's that moment in that application when, but you, you, the, aw- the awesome thing about that is, and that's why, you know, I ain't really planned on using Peter this morning, but I think Peter is a really good example, is because we see a progression in Peter's life. You know, and if we never, and it's easy to look at Peter and say, well, you know what, Peter stepped out of that boat, and he didn't have faith, and he sank. Well, yeah, well, you know what? Abraham laughed because the Lord promised him a son. And now look at his descendants. You know, look at Moses. Moses says, well, I can't speak good. And God said, that's all right. I already got you covered. Your brother's on his way right now. You know, it doesn't matter. If we look at God's servant through the Bible, there's a progression in this application. There's an understanding that comes in our life through this application. And, you know, either, either, we, either we can realize what God is trying to tell us, either we can realize what God wants to do in our life, we can accept it and realize that we need him and carry on with the application. Or there are other inst- instances in the Bible where you, ju- you fail God. You know, and, 
And the thing with God is we know by serving God that the choice is up to us. You know, one of the awesome things about if you want to talk about wisdom and where we can find wisdom and God's wisdom, you know, there are many different ways to look in the Bible and prove that it's true. One of the most awesomest ways to prove that the Bible is true to me is, is the brutal honesty of the Bible. Because if somebody came to you and said, I want you to write an autobiography of your life, would you include all that honesty in there? I mean, let's just be honest. When a man writes he's a disciple of Jesus Christ, or when God has went into a special covenant that his whole generation would come from, come from is written that, that, that he laughed, that he couldn't really believe it. Well, let's be honest with Peter. The man that you've forsaken everything to follow, you deny him three times. Would you write that you stepped out of the boat and for, for a few seconds you walk on water and then you sink? You know, the Bible, if nothing else, is just brutal honesty. You know, and these guys that, that wrote these words that are inspired by God, if we just read this word and we look at the all power of God and we never look at the process of the wisdom and the knowledge and understanding what it takes to get from there to a substantial walk with God, then we've missed the whole point. You know, these guys have put, not only have their successes in, in there, but also their moments of failure. You know, because the point is, if we, never, if we never address the moments of failure, then there's never really going to be those great success stories, you know. And it's when, when, when Jesus restored Peter before he ascended, he kept asking him the same question. Now, obviously, Jesus knew that Peter loved him. You know, but he also knew how Peter felt also. You know, but he wanted to bring one point home because, you know, Jesus was very blunt many times because he wanted his disciples to get it. You know, he wanted him to understand because he knew that he was leaving and when he left, it was going to be a game changer. You know, he wanted him to understand that he was sending an agent that was straight from the Father that was going to remind him of all the things that he taught him. You know, they were given a bunch of tools, but, you know, Jesus was still, if we understand the New Testament and Jesus Jesus' language to his disciples, even before he left, he was still trying to deal with the same issue. Thanks for worshiping with us this week. We believe his words will establish that confidence within you and direct you for his predestined purpose for your life. See you next week, and don't forget to download our app so you can stay connected with us.